So thanks again for joining. Um, so today we'll talk about processes in a machine learning project. And uh, by processes, I mean how everyone uh, can work together in one team on the same project in order to deliver value. Um, uh, last week we talked about um, uh, roles in a team and this talk is uh, a bit related. So maybe first let's quickly recap uh, what we talked uh, previously. Um, so previously we talked about roles in the team and we talked about the product manager. Uh, the main responsibility of a product manager is making sure that the team is doing the right thing. Then in a team we have a data analyst. So the main responsibility of a data analyst is understanding the data and explaining uh, the data. Then we have a data scientist whose focus is more on predicting than explaining and uh, it's, uh, more engineering uh, than uh, data analysts. Then we have uh, data engineers. So data engineers focus that uh, on making sure that both analysts and data scientists and everyone else have access to the data they need uh, to, uh, to do their analysis, uh, to train their models, and they have tools to access it. Then we have machine learning engineers. Um, they uh, are working together with data scientists. They are taking what uh, the models they build and they make sure they, these uh, models are scalable. They are put in web services. And then finally, we'll have uh, SRE, uh, site reliability engineers, or um, now often referred to MLOps engineers. So they are focused on uh, reliability of the solution. They do monitoring and these kind of things. Um, and uh, we all in a team need to, uh, to work together. Let's say we have a, a problem we want to solve. And um, having a process uh, to work is a good idea. So if we don't follow a process, project may fail. And what is worse, uh, we first can spend a lot of time working on a project and then it will fail and we'll, we would invest a lot of time in this project and uh, it will be all in vain because this project wasn't useful. And then having a process, uh, we can iterate faster. We can make sure that we're actually solving the right problem. Uh, we can check our assumptions, uh, we can check our ideas and we can kill uh, projects that are not promising earlier and not waste a lot of time on them. So for that, there are many different methodolo methodologies for organizing machine learning projects. Uh, they are all relatively similar. And today I'll talk about one of them, which is called uh, CRISP-DM, uh, which stands for Cross-Industry Standard Process in Data Mining. Uh, and uh, it's a relatively old uh, uh, methodology. It was created by IBM in the 90s. And back then data science was called data mining. Things were different back then, but surprisingly um, the, the framework they developed still applies to data science projects today uh, with some corrections, but uh, the general process is still uh, valid today. And uh, uh, a process in CRISP-DM consists of six steps, six steps. So first step is business understanding. So we want to understand the, uh, the business problem. We want to set objective. We want to uh, really make sure that uh, the problem we're solving is worth solving. Once we have that, we go to the next step, which is data understanding. And uh, in, at this step, we analyze the data that is available and we decide if uh, the data is good enough or not and if we need to get some uh, new data. Then we have a data preparation step. So once we analyze the data, we uh, found out if uh, 
all the data we need is there. We need to transform this data in a way that it can be used for a machine learning model. Uh, once we have that, once the data is transformed and uh, it's uh, in a way that is usable for a model, we go to the next step, which is modeling. And this is actually training the model, taking uh, our favorite libraries like scikit-learn or whatever, and actually training the model. Once we train the model, we want to evaluate it. So we want to look at the results, check it, and see if the model performs according to our expectations, according to what we uh, defined as an objective at the first business understanding step. And finally, we have a step of deployment. So if our model meets the expectations, we roll out uh, the solution to all the users. So we'll um, now take a closer look at all the steps uh, and see what exactly happens at each of these steps. To illustrate it better, we'll again use uh, the same example we used previously on our previous uh, conversation. And that was uh, an example of classifying uh, the category of a listing. So imagine that uh, we have an online classifieds website where people come to sell things uh, they don't need and where people come to buy things they need. So it, uh, the website like uh, uh, Craigslist, uh, eBay, OLX, uh, Avito, there are many different websites like that. And imagine you have a, uh, you have an iPhone and you want to sell this iPhone. So what you do is you go to this website, you create a listing, and people who are interested in this iPhone contact you and uh, eventually buy buy this iPhone. So what we want to do is we want to help these sellers create listings faster. So for that we want to develop a model that. Uh, classifies a listing automatically suggests a right category. So when you create an iPhone, it says, okay, this should belong to the mobile phones category. Uh, yeah, and we work in a cross-functional team. So we work in a team that is responsible for this posting flow, for the form that uh, users use to create listings. And we have um, many different uh, team members in this team. We have a product manager, we have backend or front-end engineers. We have a data analyst, a data scientist, a data engineer, a machine learning engineer, and a site reliability engineer. So all the people we described previously all work together in this team and they work on all the services related to this posting flow. And let's see how we can solve this problem using CRISP-DM. So the first step, as I mentioned, is a business understanding step. So this is the step where we want to really understand the problem and we want to decide if we actually want to invest our time in solving this problem. So let's say somebody comes to our team. Uh, usually they come to a product manager and they say, okay, we have this problem. Can you please solve, this, solve it for us? And typically uh, a product manager doesn't immediately agree. Uh, they don't uh, just say, hey, yes, we will solve it. First, uh, they need to do some analysis to actually commit to this. So typically what they say is, okay, yeah, this sounds like a good problem to solve. Let's think about this. And then together with data analysts, they try to quantify the size of the problem. So uh, what they need to understand here at this step is, uh, um, let's say how many users complain about this problem to how many users this problem of, um, you know, automatically suggesting a listing is actually a problem. Then how many sellers cannot finish posting an item because of that? So when they cannot figure out what is the correct category, they simply stop and uh, 
they leave the site. So how many users have that problem? And how many items end up in the, in the wrong category? So we want to really have a number that explains how big the problem is before solving this, before jumping in, uh, in solving this problem. Uh, and then uh, we need to, to measure this. So measuring the number of users who cannot finish uh, this process of posting can be tricky because it's not always easy uh, to understand why they decided to stop, uh, uh, to drop from uh, posting. Was it because they couldn't select the right category or was it because uh, there was some other problem? So it involves uh, talking to the user, understanding what uh, are the difficult steps there in the posting. So doing user interviews, which is of course a good thing, um, but here maybe it's not so easy to use it as a number, uh, as a metric. But when, then let's say we talk to a moderation team and moderation team is uh, somebody who looks at these uh, listings and uh, accepts them because they're uh, good or they do some corrections. So these are people who manually inspect all these listings. So we go to this team and talk to them and find out that 10% of listings actually end up in a wrong category. So now we have a number. So we know that, okay, like, uh, it's actually quite big, 10%. And uh, what we also can learn from them uh, that uh, they have to spend a lot of time to actually move these item, uh, items to the correct category. So these moderators go there and manually change the category. So the listings end up in the, in the right place. And this is how we can measure uh, the size of the problem. We can see, okay, moderators, let's say they spend on average 10 hours per week. Doing this, it means that one quarter of their time they are spending solving this problem manually. And this is a big number, right? So we immediately can see that uh, this problem is worth solving. And then, uh, so we have a number, we can quantify the size of the problem and we need to come up with, uh, with some ob objective. So what, what we want to achieve. So let's say if we develop a model that automatically suggests a correct category, what do we want to see at the end? Let's say what we want to see is that we reduce the number of hours moderators spent on manually reassigning the category by 50%. So this is a perfect objective. So we can already see the size of the problem and we see what we want to achieve. So then moderators will spend uh, four hours less doing this manual work than previously and they can focus on uh, more important things. So the problem is important. We have a way to uh, measure the size of this problem and we have a way to uh, measure the success. So we uh, know if we are moving in the right direction or not. So we have the objective. Uh, and also during the, uh, this step, what we want to do is uh, want to understand if machine learning is actually the right tool to solve this problem. So typically uh, here, uh, PM uh, and uh, data analysts would talk to data scientists and ask, hey, what do you think like, is it actually like, is machine learning is the right tool for solving this problem or not? And then uh, for this particular problem, like when they talk, data scientists was, would say, yes, uh, actually machine learning can be used to suggest the right category for a listing. So uh, at this step, so uh, to recap, so they decide that uh, machine learning is the right tool, then they quantify the size of a problem and they set an objective. So they want to reduce um, um, the number of times moderators spent on manually reassigning the items by 50%. And uh, 
as you can imagine, business understanding is an important step here. So we want to make sure that the problem is actually worth solving. So the time we spent on developing this model and time we spent uh, training this model and productionizing it is worth spending. And this is an important step uh, because often uh, what happens is we um, spend time on things that are not important. And if we invest more time in understanding and quantifying the problem, then uh, it's better. Um, so once we have that, we have the next step, which is data understanding step. And we want to understand what, what kind of data we have available for us. Uh, so what we can use to solve this problem. Um, usually uh, at this step, data scientists and data analysts work together. They look at the data, they see what is there, what is already available, and what kind of data is actually needed for solving this problem. Um, so let's say for our problem, we need to know the title of the listing. Um, so let's say for, for us could be uh, iPhone, then we need the description, uh, maybe also need images, um, and we need also the correct category. So when moderators took a look at the listing and they decided, okay, this uh, listing actually belongs to the correct category, or they say, okay, it doesn't belong to the, to, to the correct category, the correct category for iPhone is mobile phones. So we take a look at the data and we find out that we have information about the listing. So we have a title, the description, but access to images is difficult. And now we need to decide, okay, do we really want to now invest time into uh, figuring out how to access images or this information is enough? And then we can say, okay, like title and description is enough. We can also talk to the data scientists to see if it's actually possible to, um, to use this information to solve the problem or we need something extra. Um, and uh, yeah, since images maybe are not crucial, uh, a crucial part here, maybe it's actually a good idea to go without images and just use title for solving this problem. And uh, yeah, if we have all the data in uh, uh, our data lake, then data engineers don't need to do anything else. But let's say if some of the data is not accessible, uh, it needs, uh, for example, let's say if we want to get uh, decisions from moderators, but this data is not easily accessible, then data engineers will need to work uh, with other team, with the moderation team to actually make sure that uh, the data can be used for our models. So the data is there in our data lake, and then we can easily access this data. Uh, so when we make sure that uh, all the data we need is there, we go to the next step, which is data preparation step. And this is the step where we prepare the data. So usually the data engineer uh, works on making sure the data is there. So uh, they can work with the moderation team to, uh, to move the data from the moderation team to our team uh, to access it. Uh, so it involves setting up data pipelines and um, doing things like that. And um, yeah, when we're just starting with a project, it uh, often makes sense to iterate, to move fast, to iterate quickly. Um, so maybe the version of the pipeline that we have that the data engineer develops doesn't need to be um, great, doesn't need to be perfect. Um, so as long as we can have a way of getting data from the other team and use it for solving our problems, it's good. Um, the goal at this stage is to have the data we need 
uh, for a model, uh, easily accessible, e ideally in a single table. So we have all the features that we need. We have one column with um, target. So in our case, uh, the features are title, description, and the target is the correct category. And we have, if we have that, then we go to the modeling step, the next step. And this is actually the step when we train a model. So uh, as I said, ideally the data is prepared in such a way that we do a simple select from our database and we have the data that we can simply put to our model and do uh, model.fit or maybe do a bit of extra preprocessing. Um, let's say in case if we have text, uh, then uh, what we can do is we can uh, do things like count vectorizer or TFIDF vectorizer, basically, we need to do something with text in order to be able to use uh, these things in a model. This step we need to define some model evaluation metric. So this is typically something like accuracy or precision or recall or F1 or AUC, um, like uh, usual performance evaluation metric that we use for training a model, uh, for evaluating models. So these are not business metrics. This is something we use internally as data scientists. And often at this step, it makes sense to come to first come up with a simple baseline, uh, even with, before training a model. So it can be simply coming up with rules, uh, saying that if iPhone is in the title, then the category is mobile phones, and having a bunch of rules like that. Maybe this is already good enough for the first iteration. Oh, and then we can see, okay, what is the accuracy of this baseline? Um, yeah, if the accuracy is really bad, then maybe we need to invest a bit of time in training uh, a slightly more complex model. Or maybe it's just like having a bunch of simple rules uh, is enough at this step. Um, but the important thing here is we have some sort of way of measuring it. So let's say we have uh, accuracy and we see that this baseline is accurate enough to actually um, go to the next step. And the next step is um, evaluation step. This is when we want to see if the model we developed previously on the previous step actually meets the objective we set. And uh, in our example, the objective was to reduce the time moderators spent on uh, manually adjusting the category uh, by 50%. So what we want to see now is if the heuristic or a model we trained previously actually moves us closer to, to this objective or actually it can uh, we can meet this, uh, this objective. So what we do is we integrate uh, the solution we developed on the previous step and then evaluate it against a small traffic, a small part of traffic. So let's say we have all the new listings uh, that are coming to us. Uh, we can take 5% of all this traffic of all the listings and apply the model to them uh, and see uh, uh, how users react and actually take a couple of moderators and uh, put them on just working with this traffic while the, the, the rest of the team works with the remaining 90% of the traffic. And then we can run it for a week or two and then see if actually this heuristic or this solution from the previous step uh, actually meets, us, meets our expectation. We can see that uh, uh, our target, our business metric, like whether we reduce it by 50%, by 25%, or we didn't reduce at all. So at this step, we really evaluate our model and we see what to do next with this. And typically there are a few possible outcomes. 
So one outcome, the project, uh, um, the solution meets our expectations. So this is great, we just deployed. But there are other outcomes, then uh, one of the outcomes is uh, it doesn't meet the expectation, doesn't meet the expectations. And uh, yeah, so in this case, maybe we just didn't know the problem well enough or um, our model, um, if we first decided to go with a heuristic, it wasn't good enough and we actually need to improve our model. And then we go there and train a better model, let's say using this time, uh, scikit-learn and uh, actually training the model and then redeploying it. And again, um, using this 5% uh, of traffic to be related. Or maybe they see, we see that, um, yeah, we cannot meet the objective at all. Like we're not uh, moving it at all. And then maybe it's uh, time to say, uh, to stop working on this project and move on, do something else. Um, and then um, let's say if it's not the case, if we decide uh, that uh, we like the project, the solution meets our expectations, we go to the next step, which is deployment. And at this step, we, roll our solution to all the users. So while previously we were doing this for half, uh, for part of the traffic, now we apply it to everything. And here the focus is more on engineering part of machine learning. So here we really need to, to make sure that our service is reliable, is scalable. And when it, it's hit with 100% uh, of traffic, it is reliable, it will not uh, die because of that. Uh, and usually machine learning engineers uh, uh, work on that uh, together with uh, site reliability engineers. So they take care of infrastructure, of all these web services, of configuring, monitoring, uh, alerting, uh, like on make sh making sure it's reliable. Um, and uh, yeah, so what happens at the end of this step is we can call, uh, we can say that our model is in production. So it actually affects all the users uh, of our platform uh, and it works reliably. And even if it's uh, not a model, but a heuristic, we can see that it's already valuable. So if it's packaged in a web service, which is deployed, and then we can use this uh, web service and iterate. So we again um, can go back to the first uh, step, which is business understanding. And we can see uh, how much we want to improve the model. So we again have the numbers, then we can have uh, some guess um, how much we want to improve these numbers, uh, set another objective, and then iterate uh, uh, this time training a model. Uh, once we have a simple model, let's say logistic regression, then we can come back to adding to images and see, okay, what do we actually need to do to be able to use images in our pipeline, in our model, and then maybe train uh, an image classification model to make our predictions more accurate. So what we always need to keep in mind is a business objective. And we, uh, like when making these decisions, like, okay, do we want to train an image classification model? We need to see if adding this extra complexity of fetching the images from somewhere, training this uh, deep learning model and predictionizing this deep learning model, does it really justify the, the complexity? So what we need to do, is uh, you know, we need to have a way of calculating the return on investment and see if, uh, if let's say we spent uh, um, a few extra week or maybe a few extra month on developing this solution, uh, like, does it bring enough improvement over what, whatever we have? 
And if it doesn't, then we can just work on something else because what we already have is valuable enough and it's already um, bringing value to our users. Uh, so yeah, in, our in my experience, what we should do is uh, we should start with a simple heuristic first, like a rule, a set of rules, a set of counters, uh, something simple. Then we need to validate that uh, this simple heuristic actually works and brings value. So we do one iteration uh, over this process uh, and like the full iteration. So we end up uh, at least with evaluating phase and we see how it behaves and uh, if the objective is met. And then we um, can start uh, making it more complex. Let's say adding proper machine learning, uh, adding more features, um, and perhaps using all these heuristics as features in a model. And after we iterate it for a couple of times um, with a simple model and we see that there is uh, room for improvement, then we go with a more complex models. Uh, maybe we, can, we want to try something like uh, uh, NLP models, uh, like something with deep learning uh, for NLP or for uh, images, then it's the right time to do that after we already have a simple baseline working there in production. And uh, yeah, so also what we need to do before deciding to invest in these complex models is calculating this return on investment. We need to imagine how much time we need to spend on this and how much uh, uh, value it will bring and then decide, okay, does it really make sense to, to do that or not? And usually APM is doing that. Um, I also wanted to talk a bit about data collection. So when I announced this event on LinkedIn, um, uh, Julian Martinez uh, wrote in comments that uh, one of the hardest part, uh, you know, hardest aspects in machine learning is labeling data correctly. And he also added that few people talk about this and I think it's indeed the case. So that's why I wanted to talk a bit more about um, uh, data collection process. Uh, so maybe um, it doesn't seem that CRISP-DM emphasizes this data collection, but it's actually one of the steps, uh, uh, this data understanding step includes this. It's an important part of the data understanding step. So at this step, we analyze the data that we have in the company we see if uh, all the data that we need is there or something is missing. Then if something is missing, we need to understand how crucial this missing part is. And if it's crucial, then we need to invest some time and money in collecting this data set. So let's say we, uh, we can decide that we need to uh, acquire a new data set somehow, um, maybe by investing uh, time in building up a better infrastructure for uh, data collection or maybe working with some third party uh, provider uh, to get the data labeled. And uh, tracking the quality of data is important. So this is also what happens at this step, at the data understanding step. Uh, often we need, uh, usually data analysts do that. They look at the quality of data and then they see if it's actually possible to make any sensible model from this data. Like, is this data good? Uh, Will uh, our model be accurate if we train it on our data? And uh, what often happens here is um, we just manually look at this data and see uh, if it's correct or not. And if it's not correct, maybe we should uh, do something here. Um, one trick that I know uh, to check if data is not correct and uh, actually finding the cases that are not, not correct 
is we can train a model uh, and then apply this model again on the training set. And when we do this, sometimes models will make uh, a mistake. And these mistakes, this is uh, usually uh, uh, models make mistakes because the data is not correct. So then we um, can see where the model is making mistakes and then uh, go and uh, manually fix this in our training data. So Vladimir is asking, isn't it better to check the relationship between business metric and data science metric before modeling rather than doing A-B testing in the end? Um, it is indeed the case, uh, but uh, so one thing you can do that, of course, but let's say if you don't have any model at all and you just want to start doing something. So there is uh, uh, nothing you can do there except uh, you know rolling out a simple thing to test how users react to this and if uh, business metrics are moving. Um, but then of course, when you already have a model and you want to improve it, then at some point it makes sense to, uh, to do something uh, like uh, what Vladimir is suggesting. So basically, let's say if we have a recommender system and then uh, we uh, train this recommender system and we see that uh, uh, the predictive performance of this recommender system in terms of some metric, let's say mean average precision is, uh, I don't know, 60%. And then uh, we can uh, try to see uh, to, to link this 60% to a business metric and see, okay, 60% uh, uh, mean average precision usually means uh, this kind of, uh, let's say, engagement uh, from the users, like as a business metric. And this is indeed possible, but we need to, to have already a running model for that. Yeah, thanks, Vladimir. Uh, so Vladimir is asking, is uh, CRISPDM used in smaller teams? I think uh, the size of a team doesn't really matter. And you don't have to follow CRISPDM by letter. So you can adjust it, of course, by your needs. Uh, and then uh, yeah, if you think um, that some things uh, maybe you want to have a special step dedicated to data collection, you, of course, you can include this in your process. And um, there are also many other method methodologies uh, like CRISPDM. You can just, if you Google for uh, machine learning processes, you'll find many of them. I think all of them are similar to CRISPM. And uh, yeah, I don't think the size of a team really matters here. Um, but having a process is always a good idea, especially having this business understanding step um, because you don't want to spend a lot of time on solving a problem that is not important. And then I think, uh, a really good thing in all these processes, especially in KSDM, is emphasis on this business understanding step. Yeah, thanks for coming. So I'll make this uh, video available on YouTube. Uh, I will also put it on uh, Anchor uh, as a podcast. And uh, thanks for coming. And um, tomorrow we will have another podcast. We will talk with Datran about bu about building data science team. So it's tomorrow at 12 uh, o'clock uh, European time. Um, see you. Thanks for coming.